Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records across the nation and then subsequently, no surprise to us, we break them. On we, a break our own, we break our own records, vinyl and otherwise. <laughs> My name is Jody Jenkins. And it is I, Tony Clement. And of course, this program proudly brought to you by the great folks at Municipal municipal solutions i was gonna say municipal politics they they work with municipal politicians they but do. john mutton and his crew at municipalsolutions.ca and tony i know you got some great details about what they do yes i'm uh, definitely here to speak on behalf of municipal solutions as our friend john mutton is still in that warsaw warsaw hotel has not returned <laughs> it's like a the saga we're gonna have to have him on just to talk about the saga of being trapped in Warsaw. But anyway, uh, his company is still uh, alive and kicking, doing great work in business development, market analysis, energy and infrastructure advancement, strategic planning, stakeholder and government relations, and public policy development, municipalsolutions.ca. They can help you out. So thanks for being a presenting sponsor, John Mutton and the crew. And then we have another sponsor, Yes, Lord and Lady Coffee. Make sure you check them out. Local small batch roasted coffee, uh, fresh from the roaster right to your doorstep. Mm. We ship anywhere in Canada, Lord and Lady Coffee. Uh, you can find us online at lordandlady.ca. And if you spend over $40 online, shipping is free. So make sure you go and check that out. All right, Tony, before we get to our guest quickly, we are like into the first couple days of the Ontario lockdown for those listening that might not be from our province or our country our province of ontario is in a 28-day lockdown and well hopefully it's only 28 days maybe hopefully. it'll be less but we are in the in the first couple days my question to you is like what happens if the numbers just keep going up what do you think they do then just extending it or what yeah, I th I, th this is the problem with lockdowns it's much easier as i keep saying to get into a lockdown than to get out of a lockdown because if the numbers go down then the public health people say well the numbers are going down keep doing what you're doing uh and if the numbers go up that's another reason to extend the lockdown keep doing so, what you're doing okay so yeah. i guess we're gonna I guess we're gonna have to keep doing what we're doing <laughs> hey what have you been uh, over christmas uh, holidays uh doing anything spectacular uh, jody no, we're in a lockdown. You can't ski, <laughs> can't skate, can't go down any, uh, you know, tobogganing hills. You're in a lockdown. Uh, I, just, well, I, I, hey, I got so desperate, I saw the movie Tenet. Do you know about that movie? I, yeah, that looks good. Isn't it good? It's a Christopher Nolan movie. Um, okay. It's kind of bizarre, I got to say. I, I, I loved his movie Dunkirk. And I loved Interstellar. Not everybody loved Interstellar, but I did. And of course, I love the Batman series that he uh, he directed. But to Tenet, it's it's kind of weird because it's one of these time shift movies. Yeah. Uh, and um, a lot of the footage is people running backwards, <laughs> which it just it, it for a human being to watch that. There's an amazing car chase scene. Uh, which is sort of done in reverse, which is kind of cool. But people running backwards, I just can't get into that. So I'm kind of uh, middle of the road when it comes to this movie. But interesting well, that, concept. If, if it makes you feel any better, if that's what smacks of desperation for you, I actually found myself watching Howard the Duck last night. <laughs> so I don't know if that says anything. but <laughs> Well, we're in the same boat, I guess. <laughs> what can I tell you? All right, we have a great guest uh, on this program, and I know that uh, you're excited. So I'm going to let you do the intro, and let's get right to it. Well, it is certainly, and another thing, podcast, great pleasure to have uh, a, a journalist with us, uh, Holly 
Now, I, I want to pronounce this right. Holly Doan or Doan? Do- Doan, correct. Doan, okay. <laughs> she is the publisher and a reporter at Blacklocks, which is a very interesting non mainstream media publication in Ottawa. Uh, and uh, we're going to ask a lot uh, about that and, and what it relation, what its relationship is to mainstream media and the, the kind of the herd mentality that goes on in Ottawa. So uh, please, uh, thank you. Please. And thank you to Holly Doan for being our guest here at, and another thing podcast. Oh, my pleasure, Jody and Tony. Thank you. So tell us about Blacklocks. First of all, why is it called Blacklocks? And tell us how this, uh, this got started. Well, Thomas Highland Blacklock was a real person. Did you know that? It, and he, he was born in rural Ontario. I did not know that. Yeah, he was born in rural Ontario in the early 1870s, and he went west to find his fortune. He, he became out there a frontier newspaper editor and the first mayor of Weyburn, Saskatchewan. In, in 1912, he was assigned to Parliament Hill for the Winnipeg Telegram, and he later became a national columnist and a World War I correspondent for the Montreal Gazette. And by 1922, he was president of the Parliamentary Press Gallery, where, as a member myself, I first saw his rather curious, dour, high-collared, unsmiling photo on the wall of the so-called hot room in center block. And he, Tom Blacklock was interesting because he made friends in Ottawa. Boy, did he ever. How do we know that? Well, he was a confidant of Sir Robert Borden, who wrote in his memoirs, quote, I always held him in the warmest affection. He was very good pals with Prime Minister Arthur Meehan, and they had an extensive and frank and sometimes amusing correspondence, which I have read in library and archives. The two of them had dinner together with their wives. They played hmm. bridge together at Meehan's home on Cooper Street in Ottawa. They smoked. Uh, and there is even a mysterious face carved into the corridor of Center Block during Meehan's time that is believed to be Tom Blacklock's face. No, no inscription, just their little joke. And uh, when Tom Blacklock died in 1934... Uh, only two people took the train from Ottawa to Campbellville for the internment, Blacklock's widow and Arthur Meehan. Wow. Mm-hmm. Quite so a story, how, huh? Yeah, that, that's an amazing story. So so you took inspiration from Blacklock then? Is that, uh, yeah, is that well, the story? So he, our favorite Tom Blacklock quote in our research was, that ain't the way I heard it. And we felt <laughs> we felt that in those seven words, that is their tone and irreverence, common speak, uh, suggestion of knowledge that others don't possess, that that captured the flavor of Blacklock's reporter. So tell us uh, what the mission of Blacklock's reporter is then. Well, we launched in 2012. Um, the editor and I are both uh, 38 year career mainstream journalists with a background in everything from uh, the Calgary Sun to CBC Television to CTV National News to the South China Morning Post to CPAC. And we felt with the advent of online news that we wanted to do what mainstream media used to do in Ottawa in maybe in Tom Blacklock's day. That is, cover the details of how we're governed. And that is 
federal affairs, not politics. So bills, every stage, regulations, government contracts, committee testimony, House of Commons and Senate, federal court rulings, internal government reports and audits, public accounts, and especially access to information. I got to say, let me say this, because this is incredible. The the mainstream media uh, are very, you know, that the thing that they cover mostly is the politics, the game, who's up, who's down, uh, who's ahead in the polls, why is someone behind in the polls in their estimation, as if that's the whole story about our national politics. What you do and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a, a, a fanboy, but, you know, you, you dig so deep uh, that you break stories that, that otherwise would never see the light of day just based on the detailed reporting that you're talking about. And recently you, uh, you broke a story about how the public health agency was worried because there was a shortage of body bags. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you've talked about the flights of the, env- of the environment minister, uh, you know, uh, at a time when uh, we're not supposed to be flying. The, these kinds of things. So they, they are very detailed and they're stuff that are, are not covered by the mainstream media. Is that, is that a correct way to put it? Correct. It, essentially what it is, Tony, is document journalism. I mean, you as a former member of government, you know where this stuff is coming from. It's coming from inquiry of ministries, which are tabled in the House. It's coming from internal audits, which are mandated that they must be posted online by departments. Um, So, and ironically, access or document journalism has never been easier because all this stuff is online. But the problem is it's hard to get because the government doesn't make it easy so, I mean, the way we see our reporting is like you would hand your, say, your taxes to a professional accountant who specializes and understands the tax code. Blacklock's reporter specializes in identification and extraction, extraction of information that individuals and organizations need. They subscribe because they need information for the success and the prosperity of individual readers or a group. Now, interestingly, we have been able to monetize government information because the tighter government holds on to information, the more relevant and more in demand and more marketable it becomes. But you do have to say, we're not going to that news conference. We're not going, we're not covering, we don't cover question period. And if there's nothing else on the agenda for today, that's too bad. You must, you must depart from mainstream media agenda. And that's, that's a scary thing to do until you can really prime the pump and learn how to extract all this information. And do you find that there's an audience for this, though? Yes. Um, I would say, now, we, we've been in business for eight years. <laughs> Somebody said recently, wow, that's like an overnight success story. <laughs> but it truly, yeah. it truly is in small business, right? Um, so it started largely with uh, institutional subscriptions, the people who could afford to buy a subscription and most needed the information. And I'll give you an example that you may be able to follow because it happened during the conservative administration. Uh, You'll remember Bill 377 and 525. They were known as the, quote, big union bosses bills. 
Well, during the uh, progress of those bills through uh, committee stage and testimony and the Senate, we were the only ones covering all of that. And so the labor unions, that is the largest ones, all the ones you can think of, soon realized that. And so they subscribed. And I don't mean single subscriptions. We're talking about institutional subscriptions. Why? Are we a labor publication? No. They realized that the information wasn't appearing in the Ottawa Citizen or the Globe and Mail. That kind of detailed information that they needed for the prosperity and success of their own members. Now that goes, that goes for everybody because information, of course, is nonpartisan. It has no political affiliation. So information um, is as important to the Petroleum Producers Association as it is to the Canadian Labour Congress, mm. as it is to small businesses who are buried in red tape or desperate for pandemic relief. So while we were trying to build a base and have people understand that there is a place where you can go in media to get information, that it's not all going to be who's hot, who's not in today's top 10 list and what happened in question period, until Canadians started to understand that you had to pay for that information, the institutional organizations, and we have almost anyone you could name, we have them, uh, kind of kept us afloat while we built this business. And what would you say would be, give us an example of one of the stories you're most proud of breaking. Oh, well, there's a few. Let me think. Um, I would say one fairly recent one that we are really a proud of breaking was the uh, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation uh, sponsorship of research aimed at uh, a home equity tax. Aha. Uh-huh. So we obtained internal emails that said CMHC wished to, quote, cl- close the gap between renters and homeowners who had homeowners who had, quote, won the lottery. Well, CMHC denied it. Uh, they called our reporting horrible <laughs> on the Internet. The, the, the CEO tweeted that. Yeah. And then weeks later, Blacklocks obtained more emails that confirmed not only was it true, but then the CMHC had responded by killing all funding for home equity tax as part of research being done by a UBC outfit called Generation Squeeze. So we don't see that as advocacy. We, We just see that as accountability journalism that demands transparency. Interesting. Jody, I, I want to uh, give you a chance to uh, to weigh in here because, uh, I, I don't know, I find this topic fascinating because this kind of ju- investigative journalism is almost becoming a thing of the past at uh, mainstream media outlets. And I and I actually feel sorry for some of the reporters that work there because they, they maybe want to do this kind of thing, but it's all about, you know, clickbait and, uh, you know, eye-popping stuff that will drive people to websites, this kind of thing. So it, it really is becoming a thing of the past in mainstream outlets. But Jody, what, what's your perspective on this? Yeah, no, I would uh, tend to agree with you, Tony. The only the only thing I wanted to ask you, Holly, is just kind of the reaction or the reception you get when you reach out to individuals, say, uh, in Ottawa, um, uh, let's say specifically politicians or anything you're following up on, you want to chat with them about. Is it a warm reception? Do some of them, <laughs> are, are some of them kind of edgy? Well, All right, so 
uh, unlike other mainstream media, our stories don't depend on what politicians say. With Blacklock's calls, we already have the story. So, we, you know, we don't media talking points uh, as part of what I would call contemporary both sidesism. In other words, you have to put both sides in, isn't really re relative. So when we ask for departments, for instance, for a comment, what we're looking for not is a comment or a bumper sticker slogan. We're looking for information. We're looking for information that enhances the information we already have. And if they don't provide it, well, then they don't. There is no comment. We don't. Their, their comment doesn't make it into the story. We're not looking for comment. We're looking for information, specific facts and figures. So we don't. We don't reach out as much as you might think, and if we do, uh, we are have carefully trained the departments over the last five years. Is that they they have a deadline? We mean it, and if you don't respond with facts and figures, then it's that's then it's did not respond or refused comment. So Holly, let me let me flip it around. Then, do you have or have you had politicians on the other side that? try to reach out to you and interject themselves into stories they may know you're working on. Uh, well, yes, of course. Now, when you're doing accountability journalism, you naturally skew to opposition. This doesn't mean you're a conservative or a new Democrat. I mean, it, it, it just means that your friends change as government changes. So yes, we, we have MPs who will notify us that they intend to, for instance, put in an inquiry of ministry about a certain subject, say during the, the We Charity hearings. And, and that, that just, it, that, but we, we don't take anybody's word for anything. We don't, we don't quote anybody. There is no such word. The two words sources say do not exist in Blacklock's copy. You won't find it. Mm -hmm. So we get, we get tips a lot now, sometimes from politicians, sometimes from other people, maybe I would say almost two or three a week now. Nine out of 10 are dismissed. And if there's something worth following up, if we don't get documents, we're not reporting on it. We are document journalism. So, but how do they respond to us? It's an interesting question. Recently, a, <laughs> an aide to a, a conservative MP uh, said in social media that when he was on the Hill, in other words, uh, during the Harper government, that his office had a, quote, do not speak to Blacklocks or Bob Fife policy. So, I mean, I think we yeah. all have that Bob Fife policy. I can't speak to the Blacklock. I no, I I did not. I, no. I gotta say, Bob Fife. But I I always talked to Bob Fife, even when he was hated by PMO. Yeah, uh, because I, I think that's smart. Uh, my, I, you know, because my my definition when I was a politician was whether they were fair to me, and if they were fair to me. I don't care what PMO thought or didn't think that was okay. I would talk to them if they were unfair to me in my, and you know, in my estimation, then that they were put on a different list in, in my head. But Bob Fife was always fair to me that I remember a time I can I interject with one story. Yeah. So Bob, by Bob, I was minister of industry and Bob Fife uh, co contacted me and he said he had my, he had my private number and he said, Tony, do you have, two cars and two drivers as a minister. And I said, Bob, no, of course not. I have one car and one driver. All ministers do. Well, according to the records of your department, you have two cars and two drivers. I said, Bob, I have no idea what you're talking about. Can you give me an hour to find out what's going on? 
He said, sure. So he, he didn't break the story, didn't drag my name through. So I went back to my chief and said, what the heck is going on? Maybe I didn't say heck. Uh, you know, and they found out that a guy who used to be my driver was seconded to a new position, but they hadn't got around to the paperwork yet of transferring his uh, his salary to a new a new box in the public service chart. So even though he wasn't working for me, uh, it looked like he was. So I went back to Bob. I gave him the, I gave him the explanation. He said, okay, cool. I won't run with the story. Down. No, a, g- a good reporter. I mean, listen, Tony, we shoot down as many stories as we post easily. I mean, you have to, I mean, if you're going to be media trust is a problem right now. So you, you have to make sure you nail it down. So this is what I mean. We don't require a minister to speak uh, when we, so you mentioned the the story about the the minister of climate change taking one hundred and seven thousand dollars worth of flights in the last year. So in that case, we added up all the figures, and then we contacted his his office and said, "This is what we have. If this number if this number doesn't add up to you, well, you have until noon on Tuesday to tell us." And so they called back and said, well, I've had a hard time with all the figures. It looks like 64,000. And we're saying, did you include all the officials and all the department? Uh, no, we didn't mm. go with the story. So it, it's right. this is the point. We don't need a comment from the minister as to why he took the flights. We're just going to report the facts. No adjectives. No adjectives. Just straight up and make what you will of it. And let me say this about what you're doing, document journalism and and so on. You know, I bet you half the time uh, your your stories are revelations to the minister. The minister has no idea. Oh, absolutely. We we don't really, because we're not covering politics, we focus less on the politician. We like politicians. We don't see them as the enemy. Uh, we don't. We see the politician as as not as only part of the story. We see the department as the story, right. because they're the ones that uh, are escape transparency most of the time. Exactly. Exactly. That and that's my that's my experience as well. That you know sometimes a good report, even if I had to answer for it in question period, it would it would it would make me ask the right questions to the department and get the right answers. And, but doesn't this create better government? Yeah, absolutely. It's if, a, if you're informed as a minister and we're exposing uh, mismanagement or waste or cronyism uh, within the department, then that's going to correct behavior there too. And that's a heck of a lot more important and interesting and important for accountability and transparency than judging ministers' Christmas cards this year. Or the theater of question period. Or the theater of question period. So, hey, but can I, yes. go, go ahead. Go ahead. But yeah. I was going to say, this is a, you, you touched on this earlier. This is a frequently asked question by readers, and I, it's an uncomfortable question. And I want to I confront it head on because we're talking about why wouldn't you cover documents instead of question period? Why do they, people ask us, why is there this uniform mediocrity to Canadian media now? Right. You know, and there are many answers, and it, it's complicated, but, but here's mine, if, if you would permit me. The reasons are mechanical. The, the consolidation of news media and the closure of local outlets has really led to the death of an apprenticeship system, right? You cannot be taught all there is to know about journalism at university. You know, I, I, I'm from rural Manitoba. My first job was, you know, covering town council in places you've never heard of, like Verdon and Glenboro. You know, uh, it, it, those places you make your mistakes, you learn how government works. It was 11 years before I arrived in Ottawa in 1993, maybe like Tom Blacklock. You see, those jobs, though, are gone now. 
And reporters, it is not uncommon to land on Parliament Hill with a four-year journalism degree. And you can't, how do you ask them to cover a small business loan program or a farm yeah. subsidy program? They might not even know any farmers or small business owners. They're, they're probably still paying their student loans. When they killed the apprenticeship system, they killed a range of experiences that are, I would argue, essential in covering Parliament Hill. And so if you don't understand these things, then you will fall back on a news conference or a question period because the desk has to have something and they have to have it today. One final question, then maybe Jody can wrap up. Um, how do you feel about the government subsidy of media outlets? Is that part of the problem too? Uh, I think that's still filtering through, but I think that critical absolutely critical to the creation and the strengthening of new media like black locks and maybe even better outlets in the future is no government subsidies mm. you you know governments and bureaucracies all have their own interests and all their own agendas and they cannot resist that urge to tell consumers of journalism what what they should want subsidies camouflage ineptitude mm -hmm. once a subsidy is withdrawn the market will show us who's making money and who isn't. So if the Winnipeg Free Press died tomorrow, and I pick that title at random, there will be three websites that will rush in to take its place to tell citizens what's happening at City Hall. Now, in the, in the heyday of independent media, there were far more voices on Parliament Hill than we have now. There were 31 dailies and weeklies in Toronto where you are in 1900, right? And, and maybe in the future it'll be that way again, but subsidies only prevent our, our progress towards that. And the thing is, in the future, you may not like all the independents, right? You may not like, you, you may think they're too partisan or they're too sloppy or they're too sensational, but some will survive and some will die. You know, and I, I really believe that we are in a nation of 38 million people. We can do this. We can do this. Well, Jody, I, I got to say, this has been really interesting to hear Holly's point of view on uh, both her her own uh, Blacklocks uh, reporting and just generally the scene in Ottawa. I don't know about you, but I, I think this is a very important topic. Yeah, all I can think about now is getting Bob Fife on the show. <laughs> Here's his side of the of the uh, Tony Clement driver. Yeah, I, I want to get to the bottom of this two vehicle thing. I'm I'm still a little shaken up about that. Uh, Holly, before we let you go quickly, Tony mentioned Christmas cards earlier. Did you receive any Christmas cards from any politicians, and if so, who? Uh Aaron O'Toole and Bardis Chagger. That's it. Fascinating. Oh, well, I, it's possible the Black Locks is off the Christmas card list. Uh, <laughs> it's possible. Um, I don't know if the Prime Minister sent one this year. We always received one in the past. But, um, wow. Yeah, very, Elizabeth May always sent one, but I guess she's on her way out. Uh, I think it's pandemic more than anything that people aren't doing. What, what, what are you suggesting? <laughs> oh, no, no, I just was curious. I got one from Tony Clement. Does yours still count as a politician card, no, Tony? Or? No, 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 definitely not. Okay, no. so then I only got one from Blake Richards. I got one from Mike Chong. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Doug Ford. I got actually I got two from Doug Ford and three from my local MP and Mike Chong. Nice. That's, better, a, than, that's better than we did. I guess you're yeah. still in somebody's good books. 
I have a buddy of mine who has a, another good friend who knows that he's not a union guy at all. And he always makes sure that he puts his name and address on uh jug meat sings uh, list. So he gets a card <laughs> from jug meat. It always it makes him laugh. So that's hilarious. I, I'm holding well, out. Holly, I'm holding out for a card from the department of finance some year. That would be a true that, triumph. Be, I don't think it's going to happen. It's not that's happening. A keeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, Holly, uh, I, we only wish you the best of success with Blacklocks. I think it's very important for Canadian journalism that you exist and that you thrive and that, that quite frankly, that you get competition too uh, right. from others who, who want, who want to do this kind of reporting. It's very important. So from, and another thing podcast, we only wish you success. Happy yes, New thank Year. You. Lots of great information from Holly there. Excellent guest. Always nice to hear from a different media outlet and their perspective. Yeah, I thought it was worthwhile just to to get that sense of what's going on in Ottawa from outside of the traditional media environment. So I'm very glad she accepted our offer to come on our show. By the time we do the show again, Tony, it'll be 2021. Yes, I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> no, it'll be uh, it'll be exciting. So make sure you have yourself a great New Year's. Got to give another shout out municipalsolutions.ca as well as Lord and Lady Coffee. And I assume you're going to have a quiet New Year's Eve. Very, very quiet. I guess. Well, I think there might. I'm going to look for any sort of live streaming uh, music uh, that I want to listen to. That's what. That's my goal. Is there some shows going on? Or I think so. I think there'll be some live streaming of something or other. So uh, I'm going to look out for something that that rocks my socks off, and you know. Uh, so that's uh, that's the best I can do. <laughs> okay. Well, guess what? We will talk to you next year. Okay. I'll see you next year, Jody.